I'm Les Miles, and this is Less is More. Welcome back to the third week of the Less is More podcast. I'm here with uh, my great friend of life, uh, John Wangler, and my eldest daughter, Smacker Miles. Unbelievable week in college football. I mean, just as an example, Texas plays USC and just kicks their butt, and they've started the season as average as they could be. Unbelievable games. I mean, they're close, tough, hard-fought games, some huge upsets. Uh, if you look back over the the scope of the, of the games, they were some great matchups, and we saw some great football across the board. Let's talk about those preseason polls that came out. These always come out so early now. They come out in the summertime, and we hear all these predictions, and we're led to believe them, but are they really believable? I think it's crazy, to be honest with you. I don't think that anybody knows how strong or how weak a team's going to be until they line up. And, John, just like the great teams that you quarterbacked, it is, it's based on the character of the team, not so much what it says in paper. Well, this guy runs fast. This guy's tough. This guy's he's a, he's returning All-American. Um, you don't know until the, the emotional makeup of the team solidifies what kind of team they're going to be. And the idea that uh, that you could pick the number one team in the country uh, early is truly honest. It's going to be easy because Alabama, <laughs> Alabama say, is so – You can pick so, number one. So, yeah, you can pick number one. It might be hard to do five through yeah, 15. So separated themselves from the other teams. But the rest of that uh, that group, it's uh, it's a about 20 teams that if in some way they put it together best, they could win it. Well, I, I agree. The other thing is it's, it's based so much on uh, the year before and really the history or tradition of that program, right? And I think it really takes into October, maybe mid-October, before you really start to see some separation of the pack. Uh, obviously, injuries early, uh, you know, would play a key in, or in, during the summer, spring ball. But you take out those first, whether you go Alabama or Clemson, uh, you know, and then you start, as Smacker said, 5 through, through 20. Uh, it, it all depends. A lot of things come into play, and I think they shouldn't even really put anything out till at least mid-October till you get kind of a feel and see how these teams get off to a start and who steps up and who doesn't. The preseason polls can always be extremely incorrect, but there's people like me that don't want to go the entire offseason not talking about football. So they serve a purpose. To me, it's pretty well-defined. Your crazy college football fans are going to look at them, see what's happening in the offseason, see who has good returning starters, and there is something to be said for those facts about a team but that's what they are they're facts and like you say the emotional makeup of the team is a lot more is a lot less statistical and a lot more emotional and it has a lot to do with how that team performs let's start with the biggest game of the weekend we both kind of knew it would be LSU was at Auburn get the big win on the last second kick by Cole Tracy the national media picked Auburn. And Smack. Smack picked, yeah, smack picked <laughs> Auburn. That puts me in a category with a lot of smart very, football people, so I'm fine with that. People, no question. But the, but the, me but, and you picked 
FSU, though, I believe. There's any question, babe. We're way ahead in the uh, in the uh, the yearly total. I don't necessarily want to go back and do and and. I have add a question up. for you, Dad. I just saw a stat on Twitter that Auburn's defensive line never rushed. They only rushed more than four guys once, and it was a five man rush. So they never got pressure on Joe Burrow. What kind of defensive plan was that? Sometimes those those mobile, fast, not not like burning fast, but athletic quarterbacks can give you a little hesitance in terms of, you know, pulling yours back and just ripping it up the field. Because if they get out laterally, they can go get 10 yards by themselves. And uh, so, I, you know, it, at times it, you can make a mistake because you must pressure the quarterback. Making the bugger step up in the pocket, that's a good thing. I mean, he isn't going to make those throws. He beat them with his arm. I'm just telling you, it was a the defense that played for for um, LSU and Joe Burrow's arm. I mean, there were some of the spe- most really special completions in the back end of that game that really led for the walk off field goal game winner. John, as a quarterback, what does it do for your confidence to get through three games without turning the ball over at all? No interceptions and no fumbles. Because well, Joe Burrow hasn't yet. Yeah, that, and that's what, you know, as Les would preach, right, you don't have to be the greatest specimen at quarterback athletically. We all would love to have a Cam Newton or however you would want to draw up uh, the perfect, you know, physical specimen for quarterback. you got to have a guy – who does not make mistakes, right? It doesn't turn the ball over and gets you in the right play. And hopefully you can get a little bit, you know, of the other stuff as well, extend the play. And like Les's point about a guy like Joe Burrow, he may not be Michael Vick, but he gives, he, he makes enough pressure and, and worries the coordinators enough because he can, he can move around and extend plays. But if you've got a guy who's not making mistakes and turn the ball over at that position, that's worth its weight in gold. I'd rather have that guy with a little less athleticism than you've got the ridiculous athlete who's going to keep throwing it up for grabs and throwing it around the lot because, you know, it gives yourself a chance. It keeps you in the game. You turn the ball over, I don't care what kind of team you have, you're going to have problems, especially the confidence of your offense or and your defense. When you keep putting those guys out there after a sudden change turnover, it wears them down over the course of a game. You know what's an interesting thing, too, John? People don't realize how physical that game is. I mean, Grant Delpit, that safety, he made some of the the the, the best tackles, cleanest. I mean, just wrapped him up and set him down. And, uh, and you know, when you have your safety, your center fielder, making those kind of plays, boy, you got a physical defense. And obviously the uh, – the uh, the front seven are, are terrible, uh, just a tough force to run the ball against. I, I want you to know something. I really I really enjoyed that game. That was uh, that was well played all the way to the end. You know, you know, put yourself in a timeout at uh, two seconds, and then kick the game winner. That really that was really well done. Way to go, Tigers. There were some questionable calls on Saturday. Have you ever had referees apologize to you after they made a bad call? Not on site, but I've run into a couple of those. And here's what happened, John. Um, two good calls were picked up. In other words, they threw the flag, and we had gotten the first down, and we were preparing to go in and score. And 
they picked up they picked up the flag in different times of the game. One very early in the game, and one um, very late in the game. And then there was a personal foul that a, a somebody called on our player, and we were we were preparing to go in and score against a very good Alabama team, and. Um, the, the call was made that was was not a right call. Have you had any payback calls? Yeah, I don't remember any payback calls. I, I see them when I'm watching the game, but I can't see those play, payback calls uh, in the uh, in the games that I've played in. No, I think the guys in 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 the, in the stripes they do as good a job as they can. I think they're heartfelt. I don't think for any minute that anybody's trying to to get one or the other. Um, they're trying to do the best they can do, but sometimes, like people, we fail. How about you? Hey, it, Go ahead, John. Well, I was going to ask you. We were at the Michigan game yesterday, and there's a preponderance of penalties, and there was a un, un I hadn't seen it before. The amount of replays, and it just slows the, the tempo of the game down. And I, you know, I thought to myself. Is the NCAA, especially, you know, the Power Five conferences, do we need to, like the NFL uh, or, N- or NBA more specifically, do we need to have referees make that their full-time jobs? I mean, I know they're all trying. I feel the same way. They're heartfelt. They're doing the best they can. They're human beings. But with all the uh, pressure and, and what's riding on these games uh, nowadays, do we need to do maybe a different system for these referees? Because – I'll tell you the amount of replays that they, they go up there, and and some of the and, and the amount of I don't know to me the calls, especially uh, you know head to head now. I mean it, it's it's changing the game, but when you view the game, it's a different experience because of what's going on with the replays and with the referees. It really is. I think they should be doing it from above entirely. There shouldn't be refs on the field. You put the press, you put the coaches in the press box for a reason, so that they can see the field better. And you have designated coaches that are up high to be able to talk to the ones on the field. So why wouldn't you have a guy on the field that's communicating with the people making the decisions from above? Do you know how many mistakes are made in, in, but with this system? And here's the here's the, the the real crux of the issue. They tell the um, replay official, the guy that's watching the, the feeds, um, to support the call on the field and, and say it this way. Um, if you don't have confirming, fully confirming uh, view and evidence that this should be overturned, then you stay with the call on the field. Well, I have been around uh, enough calls that – you know, you could see the 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 video. Well, you had to you had to take this into account. In other words, he caught the ball. This would be Pat Peterson against Alabama. He caught the ball and had two feet in and then stepped out. But the problem with it is, is the camera angle when he caught the ball was above the footwork. In other words, they you couldn't see the footwork. And then the view of the body was from the back. And so they, you couldn't. So in one scene, you could not see the catch and his feet in bounds. But in two scenes, you could see both the catch and the two, and two feet in bounds. 
What was the issue with using well, they both? didn't. They didn't want to they, use both they, 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 they called it a, uh, um, a an incomplete pass, and it was a pick. And we would, it would have been a great opportunity for us to, you know, have an advantage in that game. But they said no. I mean, and it, and again, it was based on one thing: the people in the those instant replay officials trying to support the call on the field. When that when that referee is looking through that four by six or six by six little hood on the field, is that the view he's seeing or is he getting, are they feeding him down all the different camera angles from up above? That's my question because on that little screen that they got on the field, there's no way no. unless they're giving multiple shots from above that, that, that they could have a, a better opinion, really. Well, in the SEC, they have a command center. And the command center is on all instant replay has a a vision and a and a, a a conversation. Okay, in other words, they don't necessarily make the call, but they assist the white hat in what they see. And okay. and but you're right. I mean, you, I mean, it's exactly the issue. The game day game, Ohio State versus TCU on the neutral site in Jerry's world, that ended up being a really high power offense offensive game uh I, I think we all kind of picked that one because we felt like ohio state would be a a superior personnel team and i, I, don't, I don't i don't i think that that's exactly what that showed i think gary patterson is really a fine coach i think he what he does with you know the the, um, the, the quality of people that he gets is he coaches them well over their heads and he plays extremely well I uh, I, th- I think that uh, I think that Gary Patterson's team is still very viable in the, in the conference race, but not in my opinion does he get the, the the firsts in Texas. And but he does a great job coaching. Um, and then and again, just like just like we all know, um, it was very close initially, and then then an Ohio State walk away, and that's that's a uh, um, that's it's based on real quality personnel. Ohio State's got, if if not, I mean, if you look at Georgia, Ohio State, and Alabama, that that personnel should be very similar. I really was impressed with TCU, though. They had more pieces of the puzzle than I expected, and their talent shined in a way that I didn't see it shining against Ohio State as far as the skill position guys. Did you see any of that, John? I did, I did, and I was impressed with, with, with some of the skill guys, and they've always as you mentioned about uh, Gary Patterson, he's done a great job down there for a long time, and he's put some guys in the NFL. They have some some uh, talented players, skill guys, and uh, you know their tempo offense uh, does a nice job. And you know, I think the point was that you made. If you look over the last five years, I mean, talent-wise, you know, it's been Alabama, Ohio State. Uh, Clemson right up there, but Ohio State's got, you know, just a ton of talent. And this Dwayne Haskins is a uh, tremendous quarterback. He came in as a uh, really redshirt freshman last year and, and beat Michigan um, when JT Baird got hurt. Uh, he's a dual threat kid, throws the ball well, and uh, they got two good running backs, uh, you know, who are as good as any tandem in the country. And uh, they just got a lot. I mean, they got a lot of weapons. Well, how about LSU starting their third-team quarterback, Joe Burrows? 
I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He came yeah. from Ohio State, <laughs> transferred. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's something. And, and they got two quarterbacks. They got another guy, a guy, Ohio State, just Martell. <clears throat> He's probably the reason Joe Burrow transferred. Uh, He's a ridiculous runner. So, I mean, th that cupboard is, is well stacked. I saw some footage of the Ohio State crowd when they saw the LSU game and Joe Burrow having success, and they were all cheering for him. It was oh, that's just cool. one of those special moments of sports. Now we get to talk about the team of Texas, the University of Texas, and that big win that I'm I called. Vomit. <laughs> Anyone else see it? The 900th win. Oh. Now joining Michigan and Ohio State with 900 program wins. Staying excellence. Uh, Someone interrupt me. Win, uh, yeah. Do they count your swimming uh, wins is what I want to know. Man. No, <laughs> then we would have the most wins in the country because Texas is good at all the sports. Oh, okay. Well, here's the truth. USC and, and Texas both struggling, right? They come in with a loss. And so they're one and one. And they're much different teams. They're the uh, the USC team has talent, but they, they they're not put together. They they they're not. Uh, um, there's not a, a lot of great discipline to that to that unit. And you know Texas is playing at home, and and, and that was the first time the Texas Stadium looked like what I yeah. expected it to be. Yeah. They had 103,000, and I don't think it was. I mean, it was half the it was half full most of my college years. Yeah. So just to have that kind of turnout, I'm really glad, glad the guys played well. They had McConaughey on the sidelines. It was cool. Oh, uh, my, my <laughs> daughter wants to go and watch McConaughey on the sidelines hell with the football team. So I, uh, I just... You've been buying Fords ever since you started doing those commercials, right? Now, <laughs> <laughs> now let's talk about another SEC game. We all expected it. We actually all agreed on this prediction. Alabama killed Ole Miss 62-7 to at Ole Miss. The Alabama quarterbacks are still just the storyline. We're trying to get them not to be, but they are. Tua is still 100% on third downs. He was 13 for 13 at this point, which is, which means that from last week when I said that stat, it was 10. This week it was 13. So just to let everyone know, that was three third downs that he completed. Wow. Only three. Yeah, three of three. Yes. Yeah, which was counts. Like, way to go, but it was only yeah. three. Yeah, but the, and there yeah. was not many third downs. It just tells you right? that they're scoring without getting yeah. the third down. You know, here's, yeah. here's the interesting thing, too, John. The quarterbacks against Ole Miss have put up 388 yards and 332 yards in the first two outings. So it just tells you that they they can't stop a pass to save their butts. Okay, but the question for you is this game we know Alabama manhandled them that there's not much of a story there. The story to me is that Jalen played again. If you're Saban, do you continue playing Jalen? To me, if I'm the coach and if I'm ready to win, I don't care if that means that I have to use the guy's eligibility. And I, I know that that's terrible to say, but if I'm ready to win you and it's going to take two. You haven't used it. You, they're allowed I know you to haven't play used it, but do you first, use it is my point. What I'm saying is, is you're yeah. allowed to play in the first four games. So you're going to keep your – But would you try not to play him after four games? Let's call him, let's call him keep your second team uh, quarterback ready to play. And then, so now you've, he's played, has significant experiences – 
and and for the four, and then you stop. And you let's say you let's say you don't play him unless the game is on the line. Okay, because, yeah. Because you want to win the national championship. But what about and winning a national championship is really what those two quarterbacks are about. What about game seven? You're Alabama. Tua's the man. He's still handling the team perfectly. You think he's the national title quarterback. You're up 50 in the second quarter. Do you put Jalen in? For no reason. To make sure that Tua stays healthy. Right, right, John, for no reason. So you just go to the third string guy? To save, yeah. If you're up, you're up yeah. big. You know, okay. oh, there's yeah. nothing. But let me tell you what: if you're in the, let's just call it the 11th game, and it's a knockdown dragout, you just lost your first quarterback. He's got a, uh, um, let's let's say a uh, smashed hand. So not nothing that's going to keep him out of the playoffs. But you have to win that game. Let's let's call it the let's call it the Georgia, um, uh, Alabama SEC conference. Championship. Yeah, yeah, conference championship. Let me tell you something. That is a an important big time need, and you you Jalen wants to play in those games. That I mean, he's a, one. He he realizes this is a championship game. This puts the team in a position to play in the playoffs. Oh my gosh, this is just why he came to college. But what if you're the coach and you decide to say? I'm going to play both of them because it's going to pl- take both of them to win, win the title, and you want the team to be behind both of them and for both of them to support each other the way they did in the national title game. John, what do you then think? Then you could just burn his eligibility, say we've burnt it, and have them work together and have that be kind of the team's game plan with the quarterbacks instead of acting like, well, hopefully we don't have to put him in. I think he, you know after game four, you do exactly what you said, Les. Uh, it's out of hand. You play the uh, the third string guy. If it's uh, on the line, you you play Jalen. But throughout the course of the year during practice, Jalen is getting, you know, you're probably splitting the second team reps between Jalen and the third guy, Great so point. that he is not rusty or anything. If he has to come in to win a game, I think you know that's to me that's how I would play it. Okay, if we need him to win a game, he's in. If not, you know, we'll try to have him redshirt, but he's going to stay uh, involved the whole year and be getting enough reps so that he's ready to go if something should happen. Makes a great point. And, and playing great in a significant game is really what he wants to do. So, you know, I don't, I don't, think, that the, uh, I don't think the coach will have a significant issue. How many quarterbacks transfer in this position? You know what I mean? Show up, you know, they're going to play to a – Hey, you know, I'm transferring. You want me to tell you something? I uh, I like the idea that you're a teammate and that you're a part of the Alabama team. And if the coach wants to, to use me in a significant game, I'm in. And and, and that's, that's what it should be. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest upsets of the weekend was Wisconsin getting beat by BYU at Wisconsin. That was equally as, as shocking that they came into Madison and I guess after the game, they were celebrating in the BYU locker room to uh, jump around, the theme song of uh, the Badgers. So it was, uh, <laughs> well, they can't listen to music with curse words, so it's not like their options were a little bit limited to start with. Uh, well, they can listen to Earth, Wind, and Fire like that's what I used to. It was uh, that's a huge, huge win for BYU. 
We have the offensive coordinator at BYU come from LSU, Jeff Grimes. He was our offensive line coach, obviously had ability to call plays and, and construct game plans because his, his suggestions were extremely well taken. And obviously he goes into a very difficult place to play because I want you to know bratwurst and cold beer is being served in Wisconsin at all times of the day or night. And that place is difficult to play. And I, I want to I give a shout-out to uh, Jeff Grimes, a, a great job, the offensive coordinator there, and, uh, and his family, the number of, number of uh, Grimes kids running around. Another noteworthy game was Syracuse beating Florida State badly, which obviously no one expected Florida State to be as bad as they are right now, just with the amount of talent that's in-state and they're recruiting and with the job that Jimbo did there. So what has gone wrong for them so far this year? I mean, besides everything. Trust me when I tell you, John, Jimbo Fisher recruits. They had players there. There was no question about it. The, uh, so what's right. Willie Taggart doing then? I, I mean, I'm genuinely curious. You know what? I wa- we watched the first. I saw the the the, the, fir- the back end. We've seen end bits of, and pieces yeah. of a lot of them. And, and I want it you just to know looks something. so bad you can't even pick out Offensively, what Offensively, the- it doesn't appear that they have a, a conceptual offense. I mean, it just doesn't, you know, they're, they they change in in so many different ways. And, and so, um, you know, you, you, you put yourself in a position in tight zone, red zone, to score from short field, or you have some play action throws that look, you know, give you an opportunity for a, for a deep throw, and then you take, you know, obviously move the chains throws. You don't see that. You just don't. You just don't know exactly where they're where they're at. I think there's, uh, I think there's some development that needs to be made there. That brings us to the next question I have for you both. Just about the first-year coaches, you have Willie Taggart, you have Scott Frost, Chad Morris, Kevin Sumlin, and Chip Kelly. Honestly, overall, not doing too great right now. How, as an athletic director or as a coach that's talking to the athletic director, what would you? What help would you want? What can they do in these situations? These guys are on big contracts, and they can't just get rid of them after a year. Hey, John, I think they should have hired Les Miles. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty damn simple, right? Uh, I mean, you know, you got a guy that's got some experience. and uh, um, But, you know, it, l- let me just say this. You see philosophies with these young coaches that, that we were never allowed to entertain. And, John, you, you coached. You were GA with, with uh, a, a wonderfully coached Bo Beckler team. And here's what we did. We always took the personnel that was going to be the most productive and found a way to get them on the field. We didn't try to run the personnel into, you know, another school so that you could recruit your guys. We took the best players that we could really tried to funnel them into the personnel groups that would best fit them. And we took our best players onto the field because we said the senior class, they count. And, you know, you you find yourself looking around and seeing guys who say that was the other class, that was the other guy's guys, that that wasn't my guy. So I want you to know something. I took over two programs. When I showed up, they were my guys. 
It didn't make any stinking difference who coached them before or who didn't. They were mine. And uh, I, I think that I think the transition is better that way, no matter what. What do you think, John? I, you know, that's 100%. And I, don't, I hope that's not an uh, old-school dinosaur philosophy that may be how you and I were raised. Because uh, when the coach came in, they all became your kids, okay? They were Michigan's kids. They were LSU's kids. It wasn't the other guy's kids. And I don't know if they tend to do that now so it buys them more time because they say, hey, look, at I had to weed these kids out. I want to get my guys in to fit my system to do this. Well, coaching is putting the kids you have, coaching them up to be better than they're supposed to be, and figuring out a way that they're going to be the most uh, successful in your system. Whether they were successful in another system, it's fine. But how are they going to fit in your system? That's coaching, right? And I've always hated that and, you know, the situation. And I don't know if it's become more popular lately, but, uh, you know, it, when you bring a kid to a school and you tell them that you're pretty good, uh, it, but you're, you have an obligation to develop them. If that development takes three years or four years or five years, then uh, that's what it takes because a lot of great teams – are stacked with fourth and fifth year guys. I know the philosophy now in college football is that you got to play these kids early because they're probably, if they're that good, they're going to go to the pros after three years. And it's more like the, the pros, right? It's plug and play. You have fifth year transfers. You're looking like a free agency uh, type of situation. But that's not really, to me, the way college football should be. College football is about a four or three or four year program or five year kids. Uh, you've got how the teams like Wisconsin or Iowa or some of these other schools compete in the Big Ten when these classes are developed over a period of time. You know what? It's you're right. The uh, we grew up where three and four year commitments were routine, and it was it was not a uh, you know your team got better because you played older more. Experienced players. Experienced. Gristled. Yeah, Guys exactly are gristled, right. right? Let's make some picks for this week. Texas A&M goes to Alabama. Anybody going to pick? Now, I love Texas A&M. There's, a, there's one guy there that I absolutely love with all my heart, Ben Miles. Um, and, and I think Jimbo Fisher's going to have a great run there. But who can possibly pick against Alabama after they dismantle Ole Miss? I'm afraid I'm going to go with Alabama. Big shocker there, huh, John? Yeah, knock me over with a feather. Uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, how, how do you go against the, the Crimson Tide at this point, right? Mm-hmm. But I agree with you. I think A&M's going to be a very, very uh, big force in the SEC in, in a short order with Jimbo Fisher. I agree. Alabama wins a lot of games big, obviously, but they're like any other talented team. A lot of times you do see them have some sloppy games early in the year against opponents that aren't going to challenge them. This Alabama team has played inspired in all of their quarters, even when they're up by 50. So I can't pick against them right now. It's, I mean, I want Texas A&M to, to win, but I don't know that it's going to happen in Tuscaloosa. TCU goes to the University of Texas. Ah, that's a tough one, John. I have to, I have to be honest with you. That's going to be a really good game in the uh, at the University of Texas. Hmm. I don't know. I'm going to say it's a pick 'em, and I'm going to I'm going to go with the home team, Texas. 
John? Well, um, so that I don't upset Smackers, <laughs> she is in the 900 win club now. <laughs> I, 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 I think they're going to get, was it win 901? I, I, it's going to be close. I, I do agree, but I think uh, with the home advantage and the momentum that they're going to carry over uh, from that SC game, I, I believe the Longhorns are going to prevail. I agree. I think Sam Ellinger is just gaining confidence each week, and I think they have a big win against TCU. They ran him on the goal line. They should go. It goes to show you that you know he's not mm-hmm. a fleet-footed, um, nifty guy, but he is strong and he can turn it north and south. Yep. Stanford goes to Oregon. Pretty good Pac-12 matchup. I am. I am picking uh, the Stanford. Uh, Trees? Trees, yeah. Are they the, the trees? Uh, green oaks. Cardinals. <laughs> yeah, I know it. The uh, um, Christmas tree. The, it's uh, surely Christmas. not an intimidating mascot. No, it's not. But I want you to know something. I think it's uh, I think it's smart, and I think it's physical, and I think it's Stanford. And I, I like that. Uh, I like what uh, Coach Shaw has done with their identity there. You know, I think that they realize that they must play physical, and they're going to be smart, and so I uh, I like Stanford, and uh, I'm not sure that uh, that Oregon is playing uh, great football just yet. It's a big game for Mario Cristobal, obviously, uh, especially at home in Oregon. But I I'm with you because of the physicality and the uh, the, the strength, uh, you know, and David Shaw at Stanford. I do think they are the class of the the Pac-10 North, and uh, I think they're going to go up there and get a a big road win, but it's not going to be easy. I agree. I think Stanford gets that one. Arizona State goes to Washington. Herm Edwards, obviously, coaching at Arizona State. I am all the way going with the the Washington team. I think that they have an intimidating place to play at home, having been there once, and uh, I – uh, you know, I think it's. I, I think they'll have a difficult time. I think Washington is very well personnelled and probably uh, um, behind um, USC, but very, very close to the top, if not the best personnel team on the on the in the conference. Yeah, I think Washington's got a lot, lot riding on this one, and I think playing there in Washington, I think you know, obviously Herm Edwards had a great start here. Uh, for the Sun Devils, but I, I think with what's on the line for Washington, uh, I think they're going to uh, they're going to get it done at home. I think Arizona State could win that one. The team's playing inspired, and they know it's a big game. They could go get a big win. Who yes. are you picking? Arizona State. <laughs> I just wanted to know. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't, want me to really commit to it? I don't want it? you to hedge. I don't want you to hedge your bet there. Uh, I mean. Yeah. Washington got beat by Auburn already, and then they beat Utah last week, twenty-one to seven. But if Utah can score seven on them, Arizona Arizona State can score twenty-four on them. So if Arizona State can hold them to twenty-one, see, I'm just working it out over here. Hey, thanks for tuning in the Less Is More podcast. Make sure that you uh, subscribe and give us a good rating. The uh, phone number would be, if you want to call and ask questions, would be 833-LESS-MORE. It's been a lot of fun for John Wangler, Smacker Miles, and Les Miles. This is Less Is More. Thank you. Have a great day. The Players Tribune dot com.